What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the audio podcast with the boys. Jason's back. Alex is here. How are you, brother? I think we're both in pretty bad shape at the moment. Before we get into that, I just want to say a couple of things. Number one, thank you to Liam for tagging in last week. Uh, sort of helped us out. Number two, I just want to apologise for the quality I want to last week. That's my fault. It's not just your fault. It was my technology on my end that wasn't allowing me to actually uh, edit the podcast yeah. literally at all. So just to let you know the extreme levels I had to go to yeah. because of my setup here. So we, we run this off Jason's laptop. Mm-hmm. My laptop that I use for work does not allow normal. It, it, it doesn't run the standard versions of windows. So we can't run the, the same program, mm-hmm. but I've got a desktop there that runs everything. So I bring the desktop over. It's open the next office, bring it over here set it all up, but mm. that doesn't have speakers. Yeah. So for me to just to do the mic check alone, mm-hmm. I had to record it, uh, email it to my phone, mm-hmm. and then play it on my phone, and yeah. it sounded okay on the phone. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. So I really, really apologize. Yeah, so... And there's some quality stuff in that one, too. And that's that's what I want... Like, I wanted to apologize to Liam as well, because, obviously, taking the time out of his day to tag in... And also had some really important points, I, th- I feel. Yeah. Uh, so, Liam... I have to say, my NFT bit was fire. Yeah, it was good. It was but good. no one will see it. <laughs> no. And no one will hear it. Um, yeah, so look, back to normal programming this week. Uh, Alex, As Alex has stated, uh, I think you and I are both in various states of disrepair at the I moment. Played, I played Frisbee yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because I actually invited Liam. Mm-hmm. And I invited him in the morning because we needed the numbers. We play with the gym. Yep. And he was like, nah. Like, nah, I'm not playing frisbee, thinking that we're just going to stand up park and just like mm-hmm. launch frisbees at each other. And then later on that day, he just goes, you know what? I was too harsh. Yes, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm in, right? So we um, we played it and it was good. It was, we we're a little bit low on numbers, so there was a lot of running. Mm-hmm. And because I've come out of my injury, last time I played, I couldn't do two two running steps without being in heaps of pain. Yeah, right. So now I was like making the most of it, and I was really putting some getting stuck in. into it. Yep. And then we had a couple of beers after, mm-hmm. and then we had a couple of beers after that. And because I'm 35 years old now, when I got home, <laughs> I cracked another beer because the drunk self goes, "Yeah, like have another one." Yeah. I only drank the next thing. Went, no, I don't like. I don't like this. I don't like this. But I feel I don't know if I'm hungover. Or I'm just experiencing the same feelings of being hungover because my body is in pain. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because maybe when you have like those really bad hangovers where your body aches, mm. but you probably already got aches from That's playing a normal hangover for me. Oh, is it? Body aches is a normal hangover. Yeah, right. How often do you get body aches after drinking? Oh, only... Like, I, I can drink, but not... Like, I can have two drinks and feel nothing. Mm. But... Obviously, four drinks. <laughs> I feel something. Yeah, okay. And two of them were golds. Yeah, right. But maybe mixing? I can't mix them. <clears throat> yeah, it could be mixing. Because I had, I had two of those and then Peroni Reds after. Yeah, okay. Oh, maybe you're just getting old, mate. Yeah, I'm getting you're old. You're going to get gout soon. No, because I don't drink enough. Well, you drink enough to have body aches and pains. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, if, if, and video watchers will notice that uh, Jason's got a black eye. Yeah, got a bit of a shiner. Uh, so I got into a fight with The Rock. And this is... And he knew what was cooking. <laughs> yeah. Your eyeball. Yeah, so no, I uh, <clears throat> I may have copped a rock to the eye 
from via a whippersnipper at work during the week or yesterday. Uh, it was just it was very unfortunate timing too because I'd literally just taken my sonnies off for probably two minutes uh, while one of the boys showed me something and then it was just as I was getting set up ready to crack on again one of the other boys flicked a rock up straight in the eye so you missed a massive opportunity right now to make the story better by saying that it was literally as soon as you lifted the goggles up <laughs> that uh, hit, because yeah. that would have been a funnier skit and that would have been a better message out there for people wearing personal protective equipment. Yes, but the audio podcast, we are seekers of truth and we dish the truth out. So that's the true story. It's yeah. about two minutes I had my sonny's off. Uh, I'm actually going to, this weekend, explore the opportunities to buy bigger, better eye protection uh, to go back to work. So, yeah. You're just rocking like sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. Which which are normally fine. Like yeah, Oakley's are... are like explosion resistant oh, that's why all the yeah yeah all the military <laughs> wear them because there's some special thing in the frames that what are the, uh, the lenses sorry what are the like wraparounds that are nets are they the ones that have like normally have like the white frames that yeah, like yeah. every trade used to wear back in like the in early 2000s yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i need yeah. to get some of them Arnets, or some spies yeah but yeah no. actually just in saying that every Glasses manufacturer offered offered white wraparounds. In yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so cool. Uh, but yeah, so I've uh, I've got a small cut on my eyeball itself, which I think is going to be fine. Like it already feels way better today yeah. than it felt yesterday, and yeah, a bit of a shiner. So it'll it'll be interesting because I'm sure that the bruising will probably still be around in a yeah. week's time. So I'll have some interesting Christmas photos to look back on yeah, for yeah, this yeah. year. Um, but no, apart from, uh, yeah, a little bit of slight blurriness in the eye, it should be all sweet. Mm. Mm. Um, so obviously I've missed two weeks, uh, of, of podcasting. So a lot of, a lot has gone on. Two weeks? Yeah. Cause obviously I wasn't here last week. So mm. it's been two weeks since I last podcasted. Right. Yeah. That's how weeks work. That is how weeks work. <laughs> Just on that note. Yes. Uh, yeah. My bad mathematical mind and my brain being dead, I required Jason to help me try and figure out a deal yesterday because I could not rationalise it. I lit- And it's relatively simple maths. Well, I'm sorry, for, not for me. And this was pre-beers yesterday, wasn't this, it? This pre-beer, post-nap. Oh, right. And, <laughs> and um, it was a slight... It was one of the more complicated ones because it was a back trade... On a car with a finance payout, it wasn't. It wasn't equity. that complicated, but it was the, more complicated than what I'm, I'm used to dealing with. Which is, here's your car. See ya. The complicated bit was that the customer had come to you with a proposition that was impossible. So your brain was trying to make it possible, yeah. but it was not possible. Yeah. Because the customer essentially wanted money back after buying a new car from the equity in their trade, except the trade had a large payout on it, which meant that there was only a small amount of equity in the trade. It turns out his plan, the reason why it seemed so rational to him for why I got sort of bull rushed into thinking that, that he was right, was he was never intent on paying. The no, he was, just, he was just trying to pretend that that $11,500 didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so to any um, any young salespeople or, or any salespeople in general, but particularly people who are relatively new at it, one of the first mistakes that you will make when you try to do a deal working a changeover is that you will work out a changeover, you'll think you've done a deal and you've never asked a customer if they've got to pay out on their trade or not. Yeah. And then that completely stuffs the whole thing up. And the other lesson is, if you can't work it out, ask someone. <laughs> yeah. Don't just push on because 
I could have signed a contract. <laughs> yeah, it, like you probably would have been about a, an eight thousand dollar turnaround in their favour if you didn't ask me about it yesterday. And I have a car that a finance company will just come take away from me. Yeah. So I'm much worse off. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Refer to your manager. Yeah, refer to your manager, but also ask if the customer's trade has a payout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Now, so today is Saturday morning, obviously the, the 18th of December. We're up here in sunny, beautiful Queensland, where yesterday, uh the vaccine mandates came into play. Mm. We've also gone back to um, masking is compulsory in Queensland again. Yeah. And what I found fascinating, because now one of the best things about this new job that I've been doing over the last couple of weeks is I, ba- I barely touch my phone all day. Yeah. Like if I've got a lunch break or something like that, I'll um, quickly flick through, maybe see messages and stuff, but I'm not going through like the news feeds and stuff like I normally do. So I'm missing a lot of... Just the garbage, the, the same garbage over and over again. But some of the things that I have seen in the last couple of weeks is how a lot of the politicians or bureaucrats are now just saying stuff in press conferences that they're supposed to just be saying out the back right. and pretending doesn't exist. So like the interesting one, so we spoke about nudge units two weeks ago. The interesting one from Brett Sutton down in Victoria uh, over the last week was where he came out saying that there's like 300,000 Victorians that uh, aren't fully vaccinated. Out of that, 150,000 of them will just never get it. But our um, research shows that the other 150,000 will be susceptible to pressure. Literally said it at a press conference. So in other words, that's exactly what we're talking about. These nudge units, they've done an analysis of these people who have yet to accept the vaccine into their lives. And they've gone, yeah, I reckon these 150,000 people will be susceptible to pressure. So let's put pressure on them and then they'll go and do it. And again, to your credit, that's what you've been saying has happened from the get-go. Is it's slightly nudge, 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 nudge. And it's just, it's all, like, it's obviously laid out in a plan. They, they They know the best way to get... <clears throat> the desired result and the des- yeah. let's let's understand and i think people are seeing it now too this is not a result about safety no the, the desired result seems to be 90 percent vaccination rate on all states which is obviously i don't think no it's higher it's got to be higher because victoria and new south wales are already there and yet mm. they're still pushing it yeah because they're trying to sell boosters yeah so it's not it's not 90 percent it's 150% yeah. for now. Plus. And, and I had a friend ring me yesterday blowing up about it, mm. but he almost fell for it again because he goes, <laughs> oh, like the boosters are only for for uh, immunocompromised and old. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Have heard that before? Yeah, that, that's what they said when they were talking about approving boosters. We said this on the pod. They were talking about approving boosters and they are like, yeah, so, um, you know, the boosters will only be for immunocompromised and the elderly. Mm. It was like a week later, maybe not even a week, it might have been five days later. They were just like, um, the TGA's approved boosters for everyone. Yeah. Like it was the same week. And if you think that the boosters are only going to be optional for those people, you, you, you haven't been listening. Yeah, and, and I mean, Dan Andrews has been saying it for months that uh, it's still going to be the vaccinated economy in Victoria and it's all going to be about maintaining your vaccinated status. Yeah. Um, there was another stat that came out this week that apparently 454,000 Victorians are currently overdue for their booster. Right. So you would assume pretty soon that they'll lose their fully vaccinated status, yeah, not be right. able to participate in the vaccinated economy. So keep an eye out for what that ramp up of pressure looks like in Victoria. Well, we're seeing the beginning of it in Queensland. Because what's really interesting about these mandates that have come in is 
Queensland's literally going the opposite way to New South Wales and Victoria. So they're the three big states out of all this. No one cares about what's happening in WA. Like, no one lives in WA unless you're a minor. Mm. So Mark McGowan's crazy. Let's just leave them out of it. But the three big states on the eastern side of the country, it's really, it's funny and crazy and just stupid to think that on the 15th of December, New South Wales got rid of a lot of restrictions on the unvaccinated because they had their, like, I guess, lockout of unvaccinated people since mid-October. Yeah. They just got rid of it in December, so the unvaxxed can be allowed back out again. Yeah. Now, they still haven't gotten rid of mandates in a lot of businesses in certain areas, but in some areas they have removed them because they're trying to push on with their reopening. Yeah. And Dom... Probably because it's liberal... Exactly. So again, like going back into this whole theory about all this stuff shifting, heading towards a federal election, clearly Dom Perrottet and the Liberal Party in New South Wales has to toe the line with what Scott Morrison's saying. So they're just pushing on, even though their case numbers continue to rise. But Dom Perrottet, to his credit, said this week, media, you've got to stop just talking about case numbers. You have got to just focus on hospitalizations and deaths. Yes. Um, Another observation on that before I move on, uh, watch, uh, reading the Voice of Victoria in, uh, page. Great. You, you need to follow that. Yeah. That page. She's on such amazing. Really, work. really good analysis. But what was super interesting was she realized, because she watched press conferences back to back this week, mm. Victoria first, then New South Wales, and she made a fascinating point about the media, which was, she said it is clear as day the media wants this problem to continue as long as possible. Right. Based on the questions they asked at the end of the press conferences. Or didn't ask. Or didn't ask. Because the press conferences were very different. Victoria's was Omicron, scary, more restrictions. And the press basically asked nothing. Yeah. They, like... So, they declared their new pandemic down in Victoria, because now they've got the, the pandemic powers have gone through. Yeah. So, they declared that. Uh, part of that is that they have to table the health advice that justifies the restrictions within seven days. Not one reporter asked a question about the health yeah, advice. Yeah. Right, you think that would be the lowest hanging fruit. I've declared the pandemic with these brand new powers. You're supposed to table the health advice. What's the health advice? Have you got that available for us yeah. to justify your restrictions? No questions about it. Yeah. Meanwhile, straight afterwards, New South Wales had their press conference where they were essentially talking about how uh, we are... We're pushing on with our reopening. Yes, the case numbers are increasing. We've prepared for this by having a large vaccinated uh, population. We've invested into our healthcare providers. We, we trust our healthcare providers and we're going to push on. And at the end of that press conference, the media going off, going like, but with these cases surging, how can you justify removing these restrictions and yeah. letting the unvaccinated people do this and that? Like, they were going off, like this hysteria yeah. that the media... The media wants people locked down. Yeah, for sure. Because they want people upset. They want people in front of their TVs. Absolutely. Right? So it was interesting. So anyway, back to what we were saying before about Queensland. So New South Wales has let the unvaxxed out on the 15th and is pushing on with their uh, reopening, even though their case numbers are increasing. I think they've been over 1,000 a day for yeah. the last few days at least. And... Now, you've got to think, they were only at, like, two to 300 a day a week ago. Yep. But they're pushing on. Queensland, meanwhile, what have we got, 20 cases or something at yep. the moment? They're like, oh, everyone's got to mask up. 
you already saw the the backflip during the week of those two flights that were from Newcastle, Newcastle yeah. to, to Brisbane that because there was like one case of COVID on board, they were like, and you got to remember, everyone coming up on that flight had to be fully vaccinated. So they were like, every single person on those two flights is now casual contact and you need to quarantine for two weeks. So you're going to miss Christmas. And then within 24 hours, they completely backflipped on it. And the best thing about it was the article I saw about the backflip where they stated that after speaking to top doctors, they had made the decision to only quarantine the people two and three rows around the the infected person and let everyone else skip quarantine. So in other words... Top doctors, who are they? Like, obviously, that's not the chief health officer. And it's not doctors, because I, I can tell you a doctor story after this. Okay. Uh, so, the, normally the CHO would be the one making all the calls on this, yeah. but they don't want to put the uh, responsibility on the CHO. Yeah, just so, just speak to top doctors instead. Don't name them, so yeah. no one knows. Like, there's, in other words, another perfect example, we've been saying this the entire pandemic about the Queensland government, but they're all the same. Zero, there's zero uh, accountability. Yeah. Because they just go, okay, so we're going to backflip on this because it's politically inconvenient. Because it essentially says that being vaccinated does nothing. Yeah, they got smashed on social media. Because yeah. everyone was saying, well, hold on. They're all double vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, we're supposed to be getting rid of that. That was the whole idea. That's, That's right. That's why we got to this level. That's right. And then this happens and... We, we know that they've just read those things and gone, uh, okay, this is not... That's really right, well because it's not based on health advice, it's yeah. based on political advice. Yeah. And again, like, we, we have to hold these people accountable for just going, yeah, we, who'd you speak to? Top doctor. Who was it? Yeah, it was a top doctor. That's who we spoke to, got, well, got I, the advice I from. I had another conversation with someone yesterday, <clears throat> and he's now blowing up about it. He's mm-hmm. a bit younger than us. Because, in his words, I did the right thing, I did everything that, that mm-hmm. was asked of us. And now it appears that we are right back where where we started. There's no benefit. There's no... Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not safe. And he also made the comment that he's not politically active. Mm-hmm. And I said, I think this is time that you should be. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but what do you do? And, and I said, put a, put a shot across the bow of politics mm-hmm. and vote someone in that's not one of the two major parties. Yeah. And he's like, like who? And I made the... I said, I'm voting... United Australia, mm-hmm. and he goes, oh, like that. Say, so, so your that's your reaction is interesting mm. because you know nothing about politics, mm-hmm. yet you know how to feel about that's right. about a particular party. Mm-hmm. Why do you have that feeling? Mm. Where does from, that come from? Where does it come from? And you know the whole reason why this conversation started is because the current political environment has not helped you. Mm-hmm. Yet you haven't even looked. Like, mm-hmm. it, like, isn't that interesting? Yeah. And, and he, he accepted it. He's... That is that is the best way to handle that sort of reaction. Yeah. Is just ask those questions. Yeah. Because they can't answer them. They can't answer. Oh, and um, then that actually forces them to are, think. Uh, corrupt. Righto. Yeah. What about what's happening in literally every state at the moment? That's right. And, we're, and we've got a federal government that is denying the ability for a federal uh, corruption yeah. uh, watchdog. Yeah. On the doctor thing. Mm-hmm. I went to the doctor to see if I could get an exemption. Mm. And the doctors, this is the doctor's own words. Mm-hmm. If I give you an exemption, I will lose my job. <laughs> yeah. There are two ways that you can get a limited exemption. Which is like three months, isn't it? For three months. And the conditions are you had an adverse reaction to the first shot. Mm-hmm. Or you currently have 
pericarditis or myocarditis. And that's it. And that only gets you three months. Yeah. So imagine, imagine being a doctor and going to university. And I'm pretty sure that the average cost of a medical degree in Australia is somewhere between 120 and 200,000, depending on the uni you go to. And paying that kind of money and having that sort of debt and going, I'm trained up in one of the most prestigious um, what's it, what fields mm. in the country. I'm a doctor. I'm one of the most respected members of society. And then sitting there and going, okay, Mr. Government, what am I allowed to tell people they can have? She had the Atagi printout on, under, under the keyboard ready to go. Because she's handling it every day. Yeah. 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 And, okay, so I... I had only just heard this theory this week, and I can't believe we haven't spoken about it. Mm-hmm. People doing the maths about Queensland's actual vaccine rate. Right. Because they're saying we're at 80%, mm-hmm. but we've only administered 3 million doses of vaccine. Yeah, you got to be careful with that stuff because it's 80% above 16, 16 years old. And that are eligible. Yeah. Um, I've seen some of these things fly around before, but the problem is a lot of them are old because if you actually look at the COVID live website, which tracks all the vaccination numbers, the amounts of vaccines that have been, uh, administered are actually way higher than what's on a lot of those things that are flying around. So I had one sent to me a few weeks ago and I was like, that's not accurate. I don't know if it's the same one, but would it be, can we check? Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at population. Well, Queensland's population is about 5 million people, roughly. And if you go to the COVID Live website, vaccinations, Queensland has done 7,775,000 vaccinations. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, if you've got 5 million people... 5 million, yeah, less... Yeah, it says 5.1 as of... Or 5.2 as of 2020. As of 2020? Oh, yeah, yeah, as in population. Population. Not, yeah. So that, that calculation that you got sent, how many vaccines did they say had been administered? I didn't get sent it. I just heard it, and that's why right. I wanted to confirm the figures. Yeah, so, like, that's why... So I've just got this COVID Live uh, website on my phone all the time, so I can just go and check the data. Yeah. So when you get sent stuff like that, like, I can put a link in the uh, in the description. It's just covidlive.com.au. It's up-to-date data from Australia. It literally covers everything... So all I'm in here, up to 246,753 total cases since the pandemic began. Uh, Still only at 2,142 deaths. So literally every single week is these cases... hold on. Is that an Australia-wide number? This is Australia... No, no. The vaccination number was Queensland. Okay. So like, I mean, total vaccines for Australia. How many have we done? 40,887,000 vaccines. Cha-ching. Yeah, I think though I think the initial deal with and who knows what it actually is because we'll never actually see the contracts. But I remember early on hearing stuff out of the United States that the initial doses were like twenty bucks a dose. Yeah. So that's probably American money. So that probably makes our doses thirty bucks a dose. Yeah. Times forty million. It's a lot uh, of a lot of cheese. Something that I think got a lot of traction this week was Dr. Peter McCullough on Joe Rogan. Yeah, he because went hard in the paint. He went super hard. Mm-hmm. He's super articulate. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that's got all the credentials to be making all the statements that he's making. Yep. And I know it's got had effect because it's been raised to me. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we didn't know this stuff. Yep. A lot of the stuff, you know, we've mm-hmm. been talking about 
for a long time because yeah. we've known about him for a long time. I've been listening to Peter McCullough since mid last year. Yeah. Because he was the one who originally came, not, I don't even know if it was originally him, but the like triple therapy or whatever, which was like zinc. Um, I can't remember the thing that ends with mycin. Can't remember it. And, uh, not the doxycycline that they use. No, no, it's, it's a different drug. No. But like he, he speaks about it all the time where you don't just... So when, when we've said things about like ivermectin and stuff like that, it's not ivermectin fixes a whole problem. Yeah. It's ivermectin in conjunction with these other compounds is what's having the best and uh, early. outcomes. And early. Yeah. Early treatments are key to everything. The only study that they cite is people like on death's door with <clears throat> COVID yeah. and then giving them... Um, Ivermectin and it doesn't work. Yeah, which and is exactly and, the same as what a vaccine would do. If you and what is interesting too about like the Merck pill that came out, Monupiravir, that the UK approved based off the one study that was done by Merck themselves. Yeah. Well, since then it's had subsequent studies and they haven't approved it in. I don't even think they've given it emergency youth authorization in America because it's only like thirty percent success rate. Yeah, I have. I wonder if that is a um, Pfizer marketing ploy no i don't think it's a pfizer marketing ploy i think it's a moderna marketing ploy and this is the theory that i spoke to you about a couple of weeks ago so okay let let me get into this before i forget about it in so obviously australia we're a very very small market so we've got to look at these vaccinations as a business issue not a health issue Mm. because it's clearly not a health issue Mm. now forget what's happening in australia because i believe that Australia is just going along with the story that America wants to go along with and the UK wants to go along with because we've just signed that AUKUS alliance deal. So now all of a sudden, Australia, America and UK, we're all super best friends and we're just, everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet. Which is why all... Does everyone know that an orca is a killer whale? Yeah, but... And a whale being a, like, a... Uh, a financial entity that has so much money that they can swing around and do whatever they want. Is yeah. that by chance? Is that a coinkity? Well, I've also explained to you before, it's not spelt O-R-C-A. I know, <laughs> I, know. I know, but the word is still like, it, it. it's like if you're fucking with someone, <laughs> you could say that. Yeah, it, it's kind of like... You're a whale, you're a whale. A whale. Yeah. Yeah, so AUKUS, just for anyone who's not aware, is the alliance between Australia the UK and America. So AUKUS, A-U-K-U-S, A-U being Australia, U-K, United Kingdom, US, United States. That's where it comes from. But so we, so if you notice, if you watch all three countries, they're all just flogging the same dead horse. Couldn't they call it koals? They could have called it a million different things. (laughs) Um, But they could have, they're all flogging the same dead horse, which is, Oh, new strain, got to get boosters, got to vaccinate, got to vaccinate, got to vaccinate. And all three countries are heavily vaccinated. Yeah. And if you look at those two countries in particular, the US and UK, their case numbers going up, specifically in the States, which are heavily vaccinated. Yeah. Which the reason why, like, this is a massive assumption for me, but the reason why I feel like the case numbers, because if America is more interesting than the UK to look at because it's so bipartisan, yep. so it's state by state yep. where you can look at the numbers. The UK is pretty much uniform. Everyone's just taking it. Yep. But what's so interesting about the US at the moment is it appears most of the states that have the highest vaccination rates are the ones that the caseloads are going up the highest. And I feel like that's because 
those states have been told that the vaccine is going to protect you. Yeah. The other states have been told these are the things apart from vaccination you can do to yeah. protect yourself. Social distancing, large, like stay yeah. away from large crowds. But even it's, I think it's more like the health stuff, the taking vitamins, yeah, the getting sunlight, all Zinc, that sort of vitamin thing. Vitamin D, which yeah. we know has a direct correlation between yeah um, uh, cases and um, yeah, that's right. And so yeah, it's really interesting to see. So anyway, getting back to the point. All three countries are singing off the exact same hymn sheet, which is just flogging this dead horse, which is you got to vaccinate, you got to vaccinate. Now, getting back to the theory that I had before, you have to look at America because America is very, very important when it comes to who's approved, who's not when it comes to the vaccines. Pfizer has been fully approved by the FDA for ages 16 and above. Mm. It's only uh, under emergency use authorization for the kids, like the 5 to 15-year-olds or whatever. But... The reality is that's the only vaccine which is actually approved by the FDA. Right. Moderna's not approved. Johnson & Johnson's not approved. They're still under emergency use authorization. Right. Now, remembering, and this is something that Peter McCullough brought up, which may put a spanner in my theory, but with the emergency use authorization, you can only qualify for an EUA if there is no approved treatment available for whatever the ailment is. Now, Peter McCullough did say that it's very vaguely written. Therefore, you could actually interpret that by saying that uh, because the vaccine is approved for prevention, but then these new drugs coming out separate is that's right yeah. is for treatment that they're actually separate. But that may or may not be the case. Yeah. I, I don't know. It'll depend how the FDA wants to interpret it to suit themselves. Yeah. But what's super interesting, what's come out over the last few weeks, is that the uh, NIAID, which is the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, and the NIH actually did a deal with Moderna early on to... They're actually part owners of the Moderna vaccine. Right. So they... Because remember how we've said months ago that these mRNA vaccines, the technology was actually created using taxpayer-funded yeah, research. Yeah, yeah. And then they got to keep the proceeds from it, which is wild. That's right. Yeah. So what appears they to have happened... pharmaceutical company. Yeah. So the National Institutes of Health and the NIAID have signed an agreement with Moderna so they could be co-owners of the Moderna vaccine mm. and they gave them the technology. So in other words, those companies are making money out of Moderna. Mm. Now... Moderna's not fully approved, which therefore means if you come out and you approve either Molnupiravir as a drug or the Pfizer pill, the potentially the emergency use authorization for Moderna and Johnson & Johnson vaccines might disappear, yeah. which means you can't sell them anymore. I wonder if things like those studies that have come out saying that Molnupiravir isn't effective is the NIAD and the NIH going... We need this drug to go away because Moderna's not approved yet. And that's our little cash cow that disappears Could if be. we approve the drug because the emergency youth authorization goes away. It kind of goes in line with what we, we predicted that there was going to be a pill available by sort of April next mm -hmm. year. But now with Omicron, it looks like they've got a new wind in their sails about mm -hmm. how much vaccination they can pull. Because what you'll find is extremely interesting... It's all over TV. They'll still say, we don't know about Omicron. We don't. We know mm. it's transmissible. We don't know how sick it makes you, even though you could ask your friends in South Africa and they can tell you. We don't know, but we know that the booster shot will help. Now, that's actually where my thoughts about this theory began 
because of the reactions from the CEO of Pfizer and the CEO of Moderna. Because when Omicron got, got launched, when Omicron got injected into someone in Africa so it could spread, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, that was a joke, just so you guys are aware. No, but when Omicron came out, the, they did interviews with the two CEOs. Pfizer said, we believe that the booster shot will give you adequate protection from Omicron. Moderna said, we're going to need to come up with an Omicron-specific vaccine. Mm. And I feel like that's to keep their emergency use authorization. Yeah. Because if you come, like, let's say that you've approved Molnupiravir and um, Paxlovid, which is the Pfizer drug. Well, they've been proven to work for Delta. They're not proved, we've done no testing on whether or not it works for yeah. Omicron. Therefore, if Moderna can come out with an Omicron-specific vaccine, they can get an emergency use authorization for that because there is no treatment for Omicron. That's right. So you can keep milking that tea. And we know that it doesn't work against Omicron because everyone that flew in to the UK or the US were vaccinated. Yeah, and and, and it's Australia too. So let's just... I'm just going to say it. The vaccine doesn't work. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And the fact that there is there is all this fear about... Sorry, no, no, Kim, it doesn't work anywhere near to the levels you've been told. Because um, even Dr. McCulloch was saying it was like, it's probably 1.5%. Yeah, okay. So, sorry. The, yeah, you're right. The vaccine doesn't work anywhere near as much as people are led to believe, which is indicated by multiple things. Number one, and this is a, I had a conversation with someone who's been pretty pro the program up until now during the week where the fact that Queensland had Omicron inside the state shows you that the vaccines don't work to stop at least the spread of Omicron or any of the of the variants because the only people allowed into Queensland were fully vaccinated which means the fact that it entered the state at all it came in on the backs of a fully vaccinated person yeah now one of the things I shared with you guys during the during the week was there was a story out of New South Wales. This was just before they let the unvaxxed out about a nightclub where 80 people have now tested positive for COVID. And I said the comment to you boys, I was like, because we just keep getting told that the vaccine's going to hunt, oh, sorry, the virus is going to hunt down the unvaccinated. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's going to hunt down the unvaccinated. It's going to go through vaccinated person after vaccinated person until it finds you. <laughs> you know, because yeah, yeah. it was 80, like, we need, everyone just needs to understand if you think the vaccine is going to stop you from getting COVID, you're kidding yourself. If you think it's going to stop you from spreading COVID, you're kidding yourself. If, it think, if you think it's going to give you a little bit of protection from uh, serious disease, you could be correct. Yeah. You could be. But you've also got to do the risk reward and go, number one, am I actually going to get exposed to COVID at all? Because let's be honest, I know Queensland's locked the borders up completely, but... There's still only been 2,300 cases in the entire pandemic in Queensland. Yeah. There's 5 million people here. Yeah. 2,300 cases total. Yeah. Now, I know it seems like, oh, there's 1,000 cases every day in New South Wales. There's 1,000 cases every day in Melbourne. There's still only been 242,000 total cases in Australia for the entire pandemic. We have 24 million people here. It is not an absolute foregone conclusion that everyone's going to get exposed to COVID. It's not. Yeah. Because the data clearly shows that in two years of pandemic, only what's that? One percent of the nation's actually been exposed to COVID, and then the percentage of and, and then, then of that, less that. than one percent have died from yeah. with it, not from it. So 
you need to actually be able to do that risk reward calculation as to whether or not you might be like, cause you might be at a higher risk of having some form of adverse event, depending on your age, your sex, your whatever the case may be. Especially, I, especially if we're going to start pumping them in every three, four months. That's right. Because, and Australia's always a little bit behind what's happening overseas, but the UK has gone to three monthly intervals for boosters. Yeah. And again, we're to five, we're, we're now, we've gone back a month. <coughs> that's right. Five, yeah. Yeah. And the adverse, I have a theory around the adverse reaction thing just from some of the stuff that I, I think a lot of them are caused by incorrect. Um, yeah, people not aspirating when yeah, they inject. Yeah, straight blood vessel. Mm-hmm. I reckon there's a lot of that. But then there's some people that aren't exhibiting, like who've had adverse reactions that didn't get the things that are associated with putting into a blood vessel. So it's both. Yeah. It's and worse. <coughs> Um, pumping it into a blood vessel because that's not what it's intended to do. Yeah. Look, it's like everything, mate. If you if you took the whole 25 million population and you removed the kids from it, because that's what they did with the vaccines at the beginning, and you said, all right, every single one of you has to take ibuprofen by this particular yeah. time. And you made every single person take ibuprofen at this point and then wait two months and take ibuprofen again. You will find a percentage of the population that has serious adverse reactions to it. Peanuts. You can yeah. do the same thing with peanuts. Yeah, exactly. Like you, I walk into Nate's daycare and they're like, a child with anaphylaxis is at this uh, childcare centre. You can't come on site with any sort of peanut material. Yeah. So you can't even need a peanut butter sandwich for breakfast because yeah. if you walk in, this kid might die. So there will be a percentage of the population that has an adverse effect. And I feel like that is the worst thing about all of this is that this is the first time in history where we have put healthy people at risk to potentially protect unhealthy people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? Like the, this whole theory, all the, all the justification for mandates and stuff like that, it is all justified based around stopping spread, which the vaccine doesn't do. Yeah. And that's what got us on at the beginning. We knew it didn't do that. Yeah. But we knew that we were banging on about it the whole time. That's right. So that's why we knew that there was something up. Yeah. It doesn't reduce cases. Mm-hmm. And uh, a great point was made. There's a family I know that's in a bit of a dilemma because people have different viewpoints on it. Mm-hmm. And there's a sick... Um, one of the family members is quite sick. So, mm-hmm. obviously, they're concerned about um, getting it, mm-hmm. uh, getting COVID. And he's like... Uh, one of the guys is like, well, let's say it does help symptomat- uh, like the symptoms. Mm-hmm. What, what if, then if I have it? And I'll, I come around thinking everything's all good, mm-hmm. you know, whereas as opposed to me feeling sick and saying, yeah. okay, I'm sick now, I'm yeah. going to stay at home, isolate myself. I can't remember who the study was from, but there was a study that came out to that effect uh, months ago that I read. And what it talked about, because the CDC came out with data at the end of July, which said that the viral loads in the nose and throat of a fully vaccinated person when it came to Delta was exactly the yeah. same as an unvaccinated person. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the ability to spread it is the same because the theory is that a fully vaccinated person is probably going to clear the virus a little bit faster than the unvaccinated, which therefore means at peak viral load times, you're the same, but that peak load should be shorter in a vaccinated person as opposed to an unvaccinated person. So there is a degree there where it can protect you from spread. However, like you said, there's also the other side of the equation, which is two main things. Number one... 
if a fully vaccinated person is going to handle the virus better than an unvaccinated, they are more likely to leave the house and go out and spending time with other people, therefore spreading the virus, as opposed to someone who comes up with symptoms who then stays home. Mm. That's number one. Um, but, oh my God, I've completely forgot my train of thought now. What was the second thing? The second thing was... So not, so walking around spreading it because you're vaccinated. Jesus, I've just had a complete brain fart. Potentially looking after yourself. No, I wasn't, wasn't looking after yourself. So... Because we have seen, like, these big clusters that, that come up, they're all vaccinated. It's from fully vaccinated people. Yeah. Yeah. So, and look, should those people be out frolicking about? Well, yeah, they should, given what they were told. Oh, sorry, I've thought of the second thing. Thanks for reminding me. The second thing is, and this is, uh, it was particularly true in America, but it's becoming more true in Australia, is, uh, so I'll give, oh, just touch the mic, give you an example. There is a difference in testing between an unvaccinated person and a vaccinated person. So if we know vaccinated people can get the virus and they're probably less likely to show symptoms, but they also don't get tested anywhere near as much as an unvaccinated person does. So with the mandate that came in for schools... Um, certain people, as long, if you're in certain roles in these schools and you were unvaccinated, you could get an exemption that said as long as you weren't around kids and you tested every single day mm. and you wore a mask the entire time, you could still attend the premises. Well, that means that you're testing an unvaccinated person to see whether or not they've got the disease, but you're not testing any of the vaccinated people. Yeah. So these vaccinated people could be walking in every single day with high viral loads and no symptoms and just passing it on. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and that's why we've always said there's a problem with looking at case numbers. Yeah. We've said that from the get-go. Yeah. Got to look at hospitalizations and deaths. Yeah. And Which even, like, if you look at that COVID live data, I checked it briefly yesterday, but I'll give you the updated numbers. Um, currently, there are 705 people in hospital in the whole of Australia. Yep. And 51 of them are on ventilators. Now, you can also find active cases... Which are, where are we at? Here you go. Active cases, 25,893. So there's 26,000 active cases of COVID in Australia. Only 700 of them are in hospital and only 51 of them are on ventilators. Now, this doesn't break down those numbers by age. Mm -hmm. But I would assume that of the 51 who are on ventilators, 50 of them are probably over the age of 70. I would like to know if there has been a young person with no comorbidities that has died of COVID. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't believe think, there has been. I don't think we'll ever get that data. Well, you can. I can't remember what it is because I remember looking at it months and months ago. But, and I'd be interested to see if it's still being updated. There's some, I think it's on health.gov.au. You can literally pull out the spreadsheet that shows you every single COVID death since the beginning it's got their age. It does have comorbidities listed. And oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, remember, yeah, I went exactly. through it months ago. Yeah. And I think I only found like four people under the age of 50 at that point in time. And this was, when I say months ago, it's like six months ago probably. Maybe we should revisit that. I should probably revisit and have a look. Yeah. Because I just don't think it exists. And and so so everyone that's out there that is fearing the cases and that... And I still I see them on social media saying that we've done such a good job locking the state down. Yeah. Keep it locked down. We're doing good. You need to understand that a that's not sustainable, and yeah. b the metric that you're looking at that you're fearing means nothing. 
Yeah, can I make a really dumb and possibly inappropriate point? So we, we've just approved vaccines for 5 to 11-year-old children starting from next month to protect them from a disease that doesn't kill kids. There's been one death listed under 11 years old in Australia, which, as we've discussed before, the article even said that it was COVID was not the reason they were in hospital and it's not the reason they died. But they test everyone that goes in the hospital. So they happen to have COVID at time of death. And I would hazard a guess, a lot of these people who test positive for COVID at time of the death, hospital. they get it in the hospital. Yeah. Right? So we've had, let's say, for argument's sake, we've had one kid in the entire pandemic, under 11, that has died and they've used that to justify vaccination of children. Well, unfortunately, this week, we saw that horrible story of the jumping castle that blew away and five kids have died. Yeah. Do we, are we banning jumping castles? Yeah. That's killed five times more kids. Yeah. Statistically, uh, it's Statistically, it's five times more dangerous to children than, than COVID. Are we banning all the jumping castles? Yeah. Not even a fucking mention of that. Yeah. So if this is really about protecting kids, why wouldn't we be banning jumping castles? Why wouldn't we be banning everything that can harm them? Well, it's not about that. Yeah. It's about selling shots. It is 100% about selling shots. And this bullshit notion they just keep going back to, flogging this dead horse. But the problem is, the more they say it, the more people believe it. Yeah. Is, oh yeah, well, if you vaccinate the kids, then when they go home to see Grammy and, and Grandpa, they're less likely to pass the virus on. Bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. Not it's not true. It's just a fucking lie. Yeah. And they keep using it to justify it. And again, I'm going to say it. This is the first time in history we have put healthy people in danger to protect vulnerable people. Did you see... Did you watch the South Park special? The post-COVID... So good. But... Because that's what we do now in the future. We <laughs> make sure that old people don't die. Yeah. <laughs> and that had the old folks home, which was like a... Like a... a, a Hundred story buildings. Yeah. Who's going? Yeah. <laughs> it, that's that is that is what we're doing. Yeah. And, and it I, makes and no I'm... sense. And we've seen, you know, we've seen the video of people having adverse reactions mm-hmm. in Bunnings car parks. To yeah. you know, you shouldn't be getting shots in a Bunnings car park. Yeah. For a start, it's like, like that meme that I sent you the other day of. Um, the TGA looking for cases of Omicron and they've got like the magnifying glass out and then it's like the TGA looking for adverse reactions to the vaccine and they've got the big glasses on and they're like yeah, the walking yeah, yeah. stick pretending they're blind. Like it's, it's, it's true. And In, I, I'm going to call out the old people. If you, like you need to understand that if you are the one that is pressuring your grandchildren to do it to protect you, and they have like it, it like they get something. Mm-hmm. That's on you. I'm, I'm telling you right now. I don't think that's happened. I don't think that's happening because the real old people. I don't think they feel that way. There will be a percentage no, that I know, do. I know some that are because I, I actually know some that are, <laughs> that are that are doing it. All right. Well, yeah. But I, on the whole, I don't think because I remember seeing an interview of this old woman who was in a nursing home in Victoria who'd been locked in for oh, like yeah. months and months and months, and she's like. No one asked me yeah. if I wanted this protection. What are they protecting me from? Yeah. Like, I just I'm want to de- hug my grandkids. Yeah, I'm depressed. Yeah. I'm, I'm at home. And like I'm telling you right now, if I make, let's say I make it to 90 mm. and there's a pandemic around. It's and my kids. be the same one. <laughs> yeah. We're up to our 85th booster shot. Yeah, we're doing uh, Zeta, Delta, Phi. <laughs> yeah. The third. Yeah. Um, but if I get to that age and my kids have kids or 
great grandkids or whatever. There's no way I'm living in a bloody in a little box for safety. Fuck that. Yeah. If I go out, I go out. Old well, people die. Unfortunately, was, it's what happens. When I was at the doctor, there was three old guys that came in. Yeah. Pleading for a booster shot. Yeah. Do you know why? Because they sit at home in front of their TVs every yeah. single day, being told how scared to feel. Yeah. And then. Fuck that. And then I was getting my hair cut the other day, and there was an old like. Oh, this is this is a while ago, and but you could tell there's like a old school farmer, all the RMs gear, mm. you know, and and um, his words, he's like, mate, thousands of people died every year of the flu, and no one gave a shit. Yeah, <laughs> here's an example, like, cause I I thought about like my mentality yesterday when I copped this rock to the eye, right? So when I first got hit, it hurt, <laughs> um, and I've sort of gone down, like, grabbed my eye. I was just kneeling there and at the at the initial point I couldn't figure out whether or not it hit around the eye or the actual eyeball itself yeah and the next thing you know I see blood like start to pour out of my hand and I'm like I may have exploded my eyeball like yep. I don't know so anyway after getting it checked out and waiting a few minutes and having things settle down a little bit um, and got one of my mates to have like a look around it obviously it didn't look anywhere near as bad as it could have been so it was a close call I could have lost an eye but I didn't mm. And I'm thinking if like, it seems to be healing up pretty well today, there's a chance to be back at work on Monday. Otherwise I might take an extra day off and go back on Tuesday. It reminded me though, way back in the day, I think we were teenagers. I played golf with a friend of mine and we played at Carrara Gardens, mm. that short course. And you know, on the last two holes, how you tee off towards each other. Yeah. So we're on the 11th hole. Someone's teeing off on the 12th and we're walking down the fairway and they you hear the tee shot go, they yell four and the ball whizzes past my mate's head. Like, doesn't hit him, yeah. but it just, it was close. Freaked out. Couldn't finish the game, and I don't think he's ever played golf since. Because he was so scared by that experience. Yeah. He goes, oh, I could have died. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not, literally nothing happened to you. So just roll on. But the, the, the perception of risk was so out of whack with what actually happened. Yeah. Like, how many times have you played golf and never had a ball come near you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared yeah. to this one time that it came close to you, didn't even hit you, but because of that, you're going to bandage yourself up and cotton wool every single day. Life comes with risk. Yeah. We just need to decide what risk is acceptable and what risk is not acceptable. To come up here to do the podcast, we used to do that all the time. I had to drive on the M1. The M1's a shit show. Every day that, that road has an accident on it. So it is more risky to me to drive up the M1 than it is to go out without a mask well, on. Auto fatalities way outweigh. Um, yeah, what we were saying was like eleven hundred a year or twelve hundred a year. I think it's car more. accidents. I think it's more. No, old car deaths. Old car deaths. Yeah, I think it's more. But um, so I, I ride a one hundred and sixty horsepower Ducati. Yeah, like you, my crumple zone is my bone structure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it, at least if you were, you were, cool. yeah, you wear a nice helmet. So at least your head will be fully preserved and it gets removed from your body. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah know? So I can do an open casket. Like when we were, uh, when we were working on during not the week. Not playing golf because of ball. That's not cool. No, that's, that's really gay. Yeah. Like that's really, sorry, wrong word to use. It's lame. It's yeah. weak. Like just get over it. Yeah. Shit happens, right? You yeah, just yeah. got to get over it. There are people who have to deal with some real shit. Yeah. Having a golf ball close to your head ain't real stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. COVID, the risk factor from COVID, particularly Omicron, ain't real shit. So something interesting about the, um, that I, I never understood and I still don't completely understand it now, but Dr. McCullough talked about it. When they talk about that like 85% efficacy rate, mm. 
it to me that reads like it's eighty five percent. If 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 it's it's eighty five, it means it's eighty five. <coughs> Turns out that if you had a, what do you say? If you had a thousand people, but only twenty people got uh, got COVID, mm. and if eighty five percent of those people were um, helped because of this thing, then mm. that gives it an eighty five percent efficacy. But in reality, it's like it's really under ten percent. No, what what I think he was explaining in that part was that. Out of the people who are in the Pfizer trial, the, anyone who signs up for those sorts of trials is generally pretty health conscious and therefore pretty scared of the disease yeah. to even agree to be a part of it in the first place. Yeah. So what I think he was saying was that... So Pfizer's phase three trial data showed 95% efficacy in preventing COVID-19, which means not getting the yeah. virus. So I think what he was saying was the majority of the people... At probably 95% of them never put themselves at risk to being exposed to COVID. So they weren't actually ever exposed to COVID and yet they're, they, because they didn't, the that's right, did. because they didn't get it, you go, well, these people who are vaccinated, they never got COVID, therefore the vaccine works. Interesting. But I it's not it. a fair test. Yeah. Because the only way to do a fair test is to vaccinate all these people, get someone infected with COVID, put them in a small locked room like this and get this person to cough in everyone's mouth and actually expose them to disease. But what he was saying was that all the people that were in the group who were vaccinated are people who are naturally going to take other measures to protect themselves from being exposed in the first place. Therefore, we don't even know how many of them were actually exposed to COVID. And that's why they always go, oh, well... uh, the the data that you see in the real world is always going to be different to the data that you see in the trial. No shit. Well, yeah, no fucking shit. Yeah. But the diff- the problem is we've seen the data in the real world and we're still quoting the data from yeah, the trial to justify to continue with the fucking program yeah. that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, I'll, and th- this is the other thing. So we just went through those stats. 242,000 cases in Australia this year. And we're still claiming that the vaccine prevents spread. There was 28,404 cases last year with no vaccine. Yeah. That's one that's one tenth of what we've seen this year. Yeah. Oh sorry, no. Oh if you take the twenty eight thousand out, it's like one twelfth of yeah. what we've seen this year. And yet we're still pretending the vaccine stops the spread. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. bullshit. I still believe the va- like people who are elderly, so I'm talking over sixty five or seventy years old, or people who've got comorbidities because the majority of people who've died from COVID are old and have had multiple comorbidities. Those people should, yep. Those people should get vaccinated. Everyone else who is healthy, just let them roll on and tell them what they can do to protect themselves. Tell them the vitamins to take. Um, Peter McCullough brought up, I think it was Peter McCullough, that one of the things that he suggests people do if they develop any cold and flu symptoms at all is take 50 milligrams of zinc twice a day and 4,000 international units of vitamin D. As soon as you develop any cold symptoms at all, whether it's COVID or whether it's the flu or whether it's just a regular cold, 25 milligrams of zinc twice a day Mm -hmm. and 4,000 international units of vitamin D. uh, And also get like like an antibacterial nose wash. Oh yeah, the betadine. Yep. And you sort of spray it up into your nose. You have to like snort it back so it goes through and spit it out to actually clean your nasal passage because the, especially with COVID at the beginning of it, it basically sits in your nasal cavity and that's where it starts to propagate and to, uh, to 
what's it called, replicate. So if you can clean that out every day or even multiple times a day, you're going to actually clear that viral load much faster. But no one, like, no government officials coming out saying that. This is the thing that I want to keep hammering on. Yeah. And you've, if you've made it this far, you've heard it before. Mm-hmm. The deadliest virus that we're all terrified of, <coughs> we're scared of, and we're locking down, and we're masking up. If you get, if you test positive, mm-hmm. the treatment is... Do nothing. Go home and do nothing. Yeah. And think about those numbers we just spoke about before. There's 700 people in hospital. There's 24,000 other active cases that are just at home with no treatment. Waiting to die. Yeah. No, waiting to get bad enough to go to hospital. And then we go, oh, our medical system can't cope. Can you imagine if we didn't offer early treatment for any issue, any health issue, how many people would be in the fucking hospital? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Why do you go to the doctor for a checkup? Yeah. Oh, to see if you got anything so we can get onto it early and fix it? Uh, speaking of, where are the 4,000 hospital beds that the Victorian government claimed? Well, I think the the money for those 4,000 hospital beds that Dan Andrews promised at the beginning of last year that have never materialised, that he's now pretending that he never promised, uh, I think the money's just disappeared. Do you, do you want to... Do we have time to do Slugate? Yeah, let, I'm going to do it really, really briefly. Okay, one of the most interesting stories that you've probably never heard about, which I've been deep diving into over the last week, uh, which I have heard of in passing over the last few months but never even looked into, is Slugate. S-L-U-G. Yeah, Slugate. So think of like... So for some reason, they just put gate at the end of every like scandal. Yeah. So it's a scandal about involving a slug. And to give you a... Very, very short version of it. Well, go check out www.sluggate. I'll put the link in the in the YouTube notes. Um, so, to, yeah, very, very brief summary is essentially there's a, a family business called iCook Foods that was created like 30 to 40 years ago in Victoria. And their specialty is creating uh, food items for like aged care homes, uh, for hospitals, etc. So for essentially feeding people who may have issues with like digesting normal food. So they do like a lot of pureed stuff yep. and those sorts of things. And they've had some fantastic technology that they've created to actually make this food delicious, look good, give these yep. people some dignity, right? And they've been operating for like 30 to almost 40 years. Family-owned business, uh, I think they employed 41 staff, like going very, very well. Anyway, about 10 years ago, uh, the... Victorian government, some officials actually got together and created their own sort of rival company to this iCook Foods called Community Chef. And there were some very key players involved in this, including Daniel Andrews when he was the health minister, Brett Sutton when he was on the sort of up and coming, and Anthony Albanese. And these guys created this company called Community Chef, which was doing the exact same role and they were using a lot of the connections with through politics to get into councils to go, okay, this council's going to use Community Chef now, not I Cook Foods, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, they took out a couple of other businesses that did the same thing early on, but mm-hmm. I Cook Foods survived. Uh, they lost a lot of contracts early on, but then there's a lot of places that only signed short-term deals with Community Chef, like three-year deals, who then came back to I Cook Foods because... The cost was higher to go through Community Chef, even though it was government funded. Yeah, so taxpayer. <clears throat> That's right, taxpayer money. <clears throat> um, and the quality wasn't anywhere near as good, so they went back to iCook Foods. So this went on until about two years ago, I think, 2019, I think is when this kicked off. 
where essentially, to again, to summarize, what it looks like is this. It appears that there has been a concerted effort and a corrupt effort by these people that we've previously named and other people like high-ranking police officers, health... Um, department officials. Yeah, health department officials, like health inspectors, to bring down iCook Foods to take their contracts. And why it's called Sluggate is because just kind of out of the blue, they got a health inspection where this chick claimed that she had found a slug inside their factory. But there are so many holes in the story... And I think, and they've used that as justification. And this was when Brett Sutton was now the health minister. So Brett Sutton signed off on shutting iCook Foods down because of this slug thing. And in the same time, prior to the rest of the market finding out that iCook Foods had been shut down, one of these key figures who was on the board of Community Chef ran over to the boardroom and goes, hey, by the way, iCook Foods has been shut down because of health compliance issues. Here's a list of all of their contracts. Let's... Co- contact them and say that they've been shut down and offer to help. So they picked up all of these contracts mm. while iCook Foods was shut down. So there's a massive amount of corruption involved in this. <clears throat> Notwithstanding the fact that Community Chef, which was a taxpayer-funded entity, which had uh, loan, taxpayer-funded loans at 0% interest given to them to start up, which still had to borrow like $9 million or something from ANZ Bank as well, over nine years, lost $2 million per year. So $18 million total loss as a business, even though they were using these corrupt tactics to steal contracts, even though the services they were providing were more expensive than iCook Foods, they still lost money hand over fist, which again, the insinuation is kind of, where did all that money go? Yeah. Because there are examples of money being siphoned out of the business with no justification. Yeah, $800,000 right down. <clears throat> yeah, so there was one point when, <clears throat> this is before the allegations of the slug being planted, where I think it was Brett Sutton had emailed, like they had like a $1 million overdraft facility they could use. And Brett Sutton emailed them saying, I need $800,000 out of the $1 million overdraft. And they just went, yeah, cool, here you go. Like, no no justification for what the money was for or anything like that. Just Well, he needed it. Yeah, he's, I, I just need the money. He needed it for things. <clears throat> That's right. So that money just kind of pff, just disappeared. And then shortly afterwards, this slug was potentially planted. Now, what's so interesting about this, you've got to read through it. So the website, it has a really good summary uh, of everything that happened. I've been listening to the Rogue Bogues podcast with Andrew Bogart because he's actually been interviewing. So Ian Cook is the owner and his son, Michael, I think. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, he has done multiple interviews with these guys over the last few months to get updates on where they're at. Now, this is actually going to court in February. And I believe Brett Sutton is named as a defendant. And... Uh, the I can't remember her first name, but Garlic is the health inspector that yeah. planned to the slug. She's named as a defendant. Dan Andrews, I don't believe, is. Yeah. And there was someone else as well. Albanese. I don't know if Albanese. I don't know if Albanese. He was supposed to help though, right? Because there was an email. Yeah, he. There was uh, one minor thing, which basically, when when Community Chef was kicking off, iCook Foods had sent the government an email saying, "Look, we are concerned about." 
the government funding this thing because we believe these things are going to happen. You go on to potentially take out like family-run businesses which employ staff, etc., 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 and everything that they had said might happen ended up happening because like two companies went under within the first year of Community mm. Chef being uh, being established. But Anthony Albanese, who was I think the head of Victorian Labor at the time. Uh, email back saying, look, we're going to hook you up with the uh, community chef people so you can work together to make sure these things don't happen, etc., etc. That meeting never happened. Yeah. So it was literally just... And also, that what was interesting about it was I Cook Food sent an email to Albanese. Albanese's people sent a letter back. Yeah, yeah. With the hope being, obviously, most people tend to misplace these letters and then there's no yeah. record of what, no what was said. No timestamp. That's right. My biggest concern with this is if governments now get the taste of trying to start companies in the hope to... Uh, like, how much damage are they going to do to an economy when they decide, okay, we're, well, we're now going to be the food. Okay, now we're going to be the transport companies. Like, are, like, are they going to buy back all this... All this um, you know, back in the day, governments used to own all the utility companies. Mm-hmm. You know, your power, your water, and that I can kind of see. Mm-hmm. They'll never run effectively. Mm-hmm. Now, how like how sticky are their fingers going to be now? Are they going to try everything? Well, the thing is, I don't think that this is new. I just think that this is extremely poorly handled by mm-hmm. these guys. And what what can well not not concerns me what the things that i think about when i look at this cuz a lot of a lot has been made of that $800,000 that went missing yeah. i'm not worried about the 800 grand i'm worried about the 18 million that they lost over 9 yeah. years yeah. where did that money go yeah. like you, i know how corruption can work that that money could disappear in the form of overpaying for like food contracts for example so obviously if they're preparing food they've got to source raw materials from somewhere else so what you do is you go to those those people who run those companies and you go, hey, what's your price for beef? Okay, I'll pay you double what the price of beef is, and then in the back end you just give me a little, you know, yeah, little sun sun. Go buy the land. Uh, one of your mates <coughs> buys the buys the land that you then put the government funded um, building on and pay triple what the yeah the value of rent is. To That's right. Like it's the. What concerns me is... And you is, walk outside one day and you've got a Bentley parked in your driveway. Yeah, how much money that these got... Like, because there was active involvement with these guys to set this company up in the first place. Yeah. So how much money could these guys have potentially siphoned out of it? Which, again, is taxpayer money. Yeah. Like, like we already know. Like, the Labor Party's already been done for misusing taxpayer funds for, for things it wasn't supposed to be using them for. Yeah. Why would you think it's the corruption stops there? Yeah. Uh and then this brings up all the other things, like at one of the things at the um, IBAC hearings that was supposed to get brought up, which just sort of never did, was Dan Andrews' involvement with the Firefighters Union yeah. a few years ago, like 2016 or whatever it was, where essentially he's gone in, he's got the entire board of the Firefighters Union fired and replaced all the board members with one guy, which is his mate. And it's like, what deal has been done there? Yeah. How much money is this dude just siphoning out of all these other different projects that he's got going on at the moment, which are just hidden from the taxpayer. So, look, it's fascinating. And what has been super interesting about this I Cook Foods thing is that there has been multiple times where it's almost gone to court already. 
And then right at the last minute, like there was at one point where I Cook Foods was served 96 different charges. Mm. And I don't know how much that each charge was worth, but it was like 48 charges towards I Cook Foods and 48 charges to Ian Cook, the owner himself, for yeah. breaches of the Health Act or whatever. And so they're served with all this, all this stuff, and they're like, you know, we're going to fight this. Because fortunately, these guys have very good systems. They've documented everything. Like, they're onto it. Yeah. So they're like, no, no, we're going to take this to court. I'm going to fight it. And they got right up to the day of it going to court, and then they just dropped all the charges. Yeah. Because they don't want to have to sit on the stand under oath and talk about what's actually going on. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> so I think the iCook Foods guys have been emboldened by all of these things and have gone, you know what? We're going to just, like, we're already stuffed. Like, they well, lost. Usually they're nearly ruined. Well, they lost all of their contracts. Yep. Uh, so even if they were able to reopen, it'd be almost impossible for them to do so because they've lost all their contracts. The name's been trashed through the mud because they've just done with iCook Foods like what they do with anti vaxxers. They just. We'll drag the name through the mud. They, they're calling the iCook Foods guys right-wing conspiracy theorists. Yeah. Well, it appears these guys have been completely wronged by government. Yeah. Uh, they're not conspiracy theorists. They've got receipts. Yeah. yeah. So, it, yeah, this is supposed to go to court in February. And I'm telling you right now, it is going to be fascinating if it makes it It'll there. Walk. I would not be surprised at all if Brett Sutton resigns before this happens. Okay, thinking keep, an it, keep an eye on that. We'll put it... Because it's just like the Gladys thing, right? So Gladys was up on corruption... Well, not even charges, because it's just a corruption inquiry, which literally has no teeth. It just yeah. publicly shames you for doing bad things. But she resigned, I believe, thinking that she was going to get out of it, and then she didn't. Yeah. I believe that Brett Sutton will potentially resign before he has to... He'll either resign because he wants to, or he'll resign because Dan Andrews will be like, "Uh, sorry, bro, time's up, you got to go, because you're bringing me way too much heat. Look, I'll I'll help you out. There'll be a a blind trust that drops off money to support your legal defence. But seriously, I'm going to put the link... They have their own website, like you're saying, sluggate.com.au... It has a brief rundown of everything that has happened and every step along the way. And honestly, it is the most fascinating story you've never heard of yeah, that you just need to read. It'll, it'll be a season of underbelly in 10 years' time. Yeah, for sure. I, I guarantee you. And if you think that this sort of corrupt bullshit like Sluggate, like this COVID stuff, if you think this can't happen in this country, go and rewatch Underbelly. Yeah. All these old, all these old series, which are all about corrupt police, politicians, lawyers, judges, the works. Unfortunately, absolute power corrupts absolutely. It takes a lot of balls for people at the top levels to just to actually stand up for what is right. And your example about your doctor experience is the perfect example of that. You literally got a doctor going, "If I give you an exemption for the vaccine, I will lose my job." If that was me in that situation, you know what I would do? I'd be like, no, nah, no, this ain't right. I'm going to the press. I'm standing up for what's right. I'm going to burn my career in the process to do the right thing. Mm. Well, there's all these people who are like, you know how you're losing your job because you can't get an exemption? You're, I'll lose my job if I give you that exemption. Therefore, I'm happy for you to lose your job yeah. and not for me to. Yeah. So, I yeah. Anyway, let's wrap it up there. Go and check out sluggat.com.au. Stay happy, stay safe, and uh, we'll see you next RDA.